Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yeah! Yeah! That is the studio uh, audience being so oh happy. We actually have a studio audience. I just heard Quinn cheering from the other room. Yay! Yay! So exciting! Quinn-ay. I love it. This is Dragon Talk, <laughs> the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We've got Quinn giving us some high fives and accolades from the back. <laughs> I'm Greg yes. Tito. That's Shelly Mazanoble. Yes, sir. We got a good show. We've got a wonderful guest, Kevon Thompson, although you may know him as Sensei Suplex. Yeah. It's coming I hope on so. uh, to talk about a really cool idea of running uh, D&D uh, in a shared universe, which we've talked about before, but not quite on the scale that uh, uh, he and Project Aurora is able to to do. I feel like this has you written all over it. Are you so excited? I am so excited. I want to yeah. uh, find out about the world. I want to find out about the way that they're able to make it all happen. Like, it's just so fun and cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's going to be hard for me to wrap my brain around. As you know, I sometimes just have trouble with things like that. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the communication. I think that's that's tough, right? It's trying to, how do you, how do you coordinate amongst uh, several different tables at once? It's hard to do Logistics. all in one space, like we did, uh, like we talked about last week. Uh, but then over time how do you do that as well so we'll get into all that okay sounds good very exciting it's also exciting that uh big b presents glory of the giants is coming out big b big b big b (laughs) i think i let uh lose a little nugget and nobody talked about this we was talked about in our, our our press but no one i think wrote this up but that big b is uh a gnome and that is due to a reincarnation spell that was cast uh, upon him somewhere back in the lore of things. Um, at least that's um, what I think Mr. Perkins said when we were there. So Big B was reincarnated into a gnome or he yes. was a gnome? Okay. I don't think Whoa. he was a gnome previously. Uh, and then he, you know, it's, it, the reincarnation spell means you just roll and you get to be any yeah, race or class combination, uh, and it can be super fun, but it could also be really random. Be like, well, I'm a gnome now, and so, uh, I think that's why he's a gnome. You don't get to choose, though, right? I've no, never you get been to roll D100. You, it's just like here you are. Here's your combination. Yeah, interesting. It's kind of, I mean, kind of like Pet Cemetery, but um, you know, you just come <laughs> back evil. <laughs> it's true. You keep all of your. Uh, um, Stats, I think, but you just become as uh, as as the new type of person. So, do you uh, have you ever been reincarnated in, in a yes. game? Yes, you have. Yeah. Oh, I tell have. me about yeah. it. Yeah, I was reincarnated. I'm trying to remember if we actually, I, and it wasn't a traumatic change for me because it ended up being um, the the same what that that I was. Uh, oh. it didn't end up changing. Oh. Uh, but there was a lot of rolling and being like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And like, you know, the test rolls, I was like, oh, I could be a uh, a uh, woman Janassi. Uh, OK, that's going to be different. Uh, yeah. This was in the this was in the 3.5 era, I think. I think it might have also been done to some party members like henchmen that we had with us. So they they ended up changing their uh, uh, whole 
shtick. Uh, wow. That's so cool. I don't yeah. know. I kind of, I don't want to lose a character. As you know, I get very attached, but I kind of love the idea of reincarnating, which maybe will mean that I'll be really excited about another product that's releasing this year. Hmm. Oh, I like what you're picking up. You picking up what I'm, I'm putting down what you're putting down. In. <laughs> oh. cool stuff well and there is uh, uh, uh so much cool stuff in big b's including uh information on giants and their lore and background and a ton of giant monsters that really flesh out everything you could think about the giants it's basically the fizz band's guide to dragons but all about dragons. yeah all right, giants. All about giants. Dra gi giant dragons. Gi giant dragons included. <laughs> yeah, And you can pit them cool. against each other. But why would you? Because it's fun. We all... Yeah. It it's is. It's like having your Barbie dolls fight. <sighs> I did that. I cut off all yeah. their hair, too. <laughs> and they grew it back. Not a fan. My mom was not pleased with that. But, you mm. know, I thought it would. You thought it would go right back. I well, it would. And then it did. And that was creepy for everyone. <laughs> pet cemetery. <laughs> Barbie went to the pet cemetery. Who took my hair? <laughs> I'm practicing my witch voices. Do you like it? I do like it. I almost ran upstairs uh, to tell dad that you had been changed uh, into, into a witch. I'm not your podcast house. I'm fiddly booze. <laughs> Ooh. I believe it. I believe it. Love those witches. You know who else I love? Who? The Lady of Pain. But don't tell her because apparently you're not allowed to revere her. She doesn't want to be worshipped. I saw it. Dan Dillon tweeted that this weekend and I felt real scared inside because I think I have openly said how much I love the Lady of Pain. <laughs> she's, and she's now going to punish you. She's going to be mad. As what she does. Yeah, such yeah, a strange... I know that piece of artwork, Tyler Jacobson, man, uh, he, he knocked that one out of the park. I very much agree, very much agree. He's he just can't can't not be great. Yeah, that's the cover, of course, the image that we're talking about for Planescape, the uh, campaign collection that is coming this fall, um, and it is going to be three tomes. Similar to Spelljammer, and it's all going to be awesome. But even bigger. 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 Oh, it's a giant? Giant. Oh, we're back. <laughs> and we're back to the giants. <laughs> that campaign collection is going to be a glory of the giants. And so you should check it all out. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, let us get to talk to our guest because there is so much to unpack in what they are doing. Yes, please. Let's welcome Kevon Thompson, also known as Sensei Suplex, to Dragon Talk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, really? I like, I love the way you said that, Greg. Suplex. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kinda like a, one of those WWE announcers, right? Just Suplex. Sensei Suplex. We are, in fact, ready to rumble. <laughs> Always. What? An honor to have you here. And also, what a great 
nickname, I'm going to guess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> handle? Or Screen is Kivon. Yeah, did... Maybe Kivon is your nickname. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I go by, like I was mentioning before, like uh, a little while ago, um, I go by Key or it's short for my name, Kivon. Uh, I also go by, well, Sensei Suplex and some people will either call me Key, some people call me Sensei, other people call me Suplex. You guys can call me whichever of those three that you're comfortable with. And yeah, I'm, again, more than happy to be here and just super excited to get into things, you know? Yeah, yeah. us too. Where but, did Sensei Suplex yeah, come from? I think we're going to have to start there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I think, uh, so for Sensei Suplex, oh, man. It was actually, again, as you could probably imagine, it was a joke name that, like, one of my <laughs> friends just called me at some point. Uh, it was like, I think it came around, like, around 2018 or so. But uh, basically, the uh, Suplex part of the name comes from, I mean, since I've been, like, 10, my whole family, we've been into WWE and just wrestling in general, and I eventually started doing wrestling in uh, all through high school and stuff. So that was freaking nice. awesome. Uh, but the sensei part, um, it comes from my martial arts background uh, as mm. I am a uh, fourth degree, or excuse me, not fourth degree, uh, third degree black belt uh, in Whoa. Taekwondo. And that's just, my friend wow. called me just like, uh, oh, you're some sort of suplexing sensei. And I'm like, wait, am I? <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> and then I just changed my name um, and it kind of just uh, fit with it ever since. But here, actually, I uh, grabbed this uh, a little while ago. Um, this isn't the third degree black belt, but it actually has. I don't know if it will. Nice. Oh <laughs> my God. Yeah. That's so cool. Thompson on the black belt. That's amazing. So yeah. like the degrees of black belts mean like you're just going to, you just keep going. Like you're <laughs> surpassing black belt into various degrees of black belt. <laughs> is that true? I, I don't know. Kind of. I always look at it. I, I don't know if there's anybody who like heard or like really plays like Call of Duty. I imagine it's always like a prestige sort of thing. Like you get black belt and then you go to the next level of black belt and then you keep on going, going, going until eventually you're just like a, a master uh, black belt at that point where you can actually teach people how to do um, the martial mm. art itself, you know, oh and gosh. go from there. It's a whole sort of thing. I only made it to the third degree black belt. At, but Ugh, only. Well, okay. Well, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I only made it at third degree black belt at 14 years old. Whoa. No, I'm kidding. Whoa, <laughs> really? Uh, oh. I, I don't you? remember what age. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember. It, it was older than that. I know that. <laughs> Oh, you know, this reminds me of the old school uh, druids, the way they were written in uh, first edition, or maybe it was second edition, where you got to a certain level and you got to level eight, and then you, there was only one individual in the world who was level nine as a druid, and you had to go oh, find cool. that person and either take the title from them or defeat them in battle. And I feel like right. that's what it's like when you're <laughs> getting all the degrees of, of black beltness there, right? Because you do have to tournament up to get there, right? Uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to sort of, uh, well, uh, for the way it was, and they changed it over the years, because it's been so long since I've been able to do uh, Taekwondo. But yeah, mm -hmm. like you'd go to tournaments, you'd have to do testing of the sorts. And I remember, oh, man, testing for, to get the first specific black belt. It was insane. They literally just threw you into a, a situation where you're surrounded by four other like senior black belts. And they literally tell you, survive. That's <gasps> it. Sur survive for two minutes straight. And defend wow. yourself. Uh, and if you fail, obviously, then you don't pass. But it, it, it's insane. It, it's really, really cool. But it, that it was cool. Tough. <laughs> That's cool. See? You guys are what? That's cool. 
yeah, oh. to get to, to you know feel like you went through the, uh, the yeah the, the test yeah. and you got it and you're like oh great I got beat up isn't that awesome? Well, it's <laughs> not cool. I survived. Well, it's not cool going through it immediately. Like when you're in it, you're like ah oh, god ah oh, someone get me out of here please. But afterwards, you're like oh, I survived. I did that. Kind of like uh, your first time of DMing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, survived. I did it. It makes uh, it feel like there's a living, breathing world around you too, right? Like that there's there is a like, uh, uh, institution in yeah. those places, not unlike Ooh. why we're here to talk to you about uh, Project Aurora, uh, which is. Well, I'll let you explain it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. What is Project Aurora? Yeah, so uh, Project Aurora, uh, here I will do my little announcer voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I dropped into it too, so yeah, go for it. <laughs> so Project Aurora is a giant living MMO. RP- no, I'm not going to do this the whole time, but Project Aurora <laughs> is a... I'm into it. Uh, an MMO, it's kind of an MMORPG-like uh, living universe world. So what, the, what does that mean? It's basically a 5e living universe where it has dozens and dozens of other dungeon masters. I think we have about 25 or so other dungeon masters that all run their games in the same living, breathing world and universe. And they uh, can basically run games and they all affect each other's games in real time. Not necessarily like, oh, you run a campaign and then, you know, several days later, the next campaign shows up. No, 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 no. If someone, let's say, uh, if someone discovers the fabric of reality and causes an entire rift through the universe, that happens right that second, and all the campaigns are immediately aware of that, and they got to roll with it. They got to see what uh, what happens next, and it, it gets absolutely crazy. So, oh. besides that, yeah, we we have like uh, world events similar to like MMOs. Like we have a lot of MMO uh, like features, so mm. uh, raid events, world events, um, crossovers, and cameos, kind of similar to the MCU. Um, and basically uh, just a bunch of other things along with like out of game sort of interactivity to really make the world a living, breathing place that not even just uh, the players can kind of interact with, but also community or the community itself can interact with from Twitch chatters to just people watching, voting on polls, helping with world building. The point is, is that everybody can kind of leave their mark. That's what we always say uh, on like something grander or something like massive, you know, be able to have their own little piece. <sighs> Okay. I've got so many questions. I know. Sure you go first. Okay, That's what we're but here like, for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so this is like, when, like, this is Greg's jam. Like, I know Greg is bursting with excitement right now at this. And <laughs> I, there's like two things that, more than two things, but two big things that I, my brain just does not grasp. One yep. is, is time travel. I'm just like, where are we? And like, am I in the future or the past? I can't. Nope. And the oh. other one is like living campaigns. And I do not understand how this works. And that when you say you are affected or your your game will be affected immediately, I I don't get like how that like, oh, hello, Dungeon Master, just letting you know that the fabric of reality has been torn to shreds. So you're going to have to work that into your game right now. How does it really work, though? Sure. Um, rarely has it ever been like, I want to hit you with an extreme. Uh, rarely does that ever happen. But I guess to give you like a small example, um, hmm. this was when I was running a Tomb of Annihilation campaign. It was homebrew to fit in the universe. But basically the players, <laughs> they got in, they decided to summon uh, the God of Slaughter, um, who also happened to be the God of Blood Oaths and stuff like that. And basically, they end up uh, getting into shenanigans, and they earned his wrath. And essentially, what ended up happening was they end up blabbing about a bit of information that they probably shouldn't have to a god. 
what happens afterwards. They or they basically said that one. Um, how do you say? I try to explain in the simplest of terms. Basically, um, there was actually a divine war that was getting ready to happen, and the players they were on one side, the enemy god was on the other side. And once he knew the war was actually getting ready to happen, he was like, "Oh no, I got to fight tomorrow." Oh, goodness gracious, I got to do something and I got to prepare. Said God travels all across uh, several planets to another group, another campaign that is actually getting ready to lead said assault. And they straight up interrupt it right then and there, the next session afterwards. This was two days, like IRL, like two days of a span of, hey, the players did this crazy thing. Boom, two days later, the God intercepts it. Bam. And here we are. We got to roll with the punches now. This is okay. So it's like kind of like a legacy game in the way that you're changing actual things in like like a legacy board game. Like things are going to be altered I permanently. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I, I wouldn't know what a legacy board Back game Back in sorry. my day, <laughs> we had these legacy games. Well, well they're, they're newish too, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but there's so many campaigns happening. Do all of them become impacted by this? We'll take the event that you just told told us or is, are just select ones. And if it's just select ones, is there somebody whose job it is behind the scenes to be like basically producing all behind and be like, oh, this game will definitely something crazy can happen if we take this God and drop him into that world? That would be technically, uh, I guess that would probably be really my job because I just kind of making the, at least the basis of the universe. I, I always, well, I don't want to get too far into that, but basically creating the foundation of everything. I kind of understand like, oh, okay, these are all the moving pieces that are sort of going on. I can kind of understand roughly what would realistically happen. Um, For what you were saying, like, um, does it is it just select campaigns or is it just everyone? It, it is everyone. Like, it's not really an Auroraverse campaign if, you know, you're not able to affect other people or other things and truly leave your mark for people years and years down the line to be able to find and come across like we've had crazy things of like someone finding um a player from five years ago is like old weapon that they used to cherish dearly and they now carry it to this day in honor of them right uh crazy stuff like that but that uh one specific event that i was mentioning that was just like the catalyst for so many different other things have you guys ever heard of the uh butterfly effect yeah yeah, so exactly like that. So basically, that ended up spanning an entire world event where now every campaign is having or is getting wrapped up and roped into this giant divine war, if they choose to or not. You know, they can just choose to assist or choose to continue doing what they were doing. And eventually, when uh, everything was said and done, well, basically, it ended up causing for four other campaigns to start because of that single event. And it was basically trying to deal with the ramifications and fix everything. And it, it, it's it's absolutely wild and insane. And so many things are happening, but it's really, really fun to sort of juggle all those sort of things and connect and see how one small thing that no one really thought mattered can be something that people are talking about for years, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I love that so much. And it's so, like, I almost think of it like a uh, chain of command in a way there's like a chain of story command right because you know you you started it all right and then but there's dms and they have like specific power over what they can do at the table but they are all reporting up to you the things that are happening at them so when you understood oh that they gave that information to the evil god of course he's not going to just ignore that information if we're thinking about this in real time he would do something 
in reaction to that. But you're the person yeah. who can decide that to the other DM that's wherever they're doing their stuff to be like, okay, you have to do this. I know you prepped X, Y, Z, but <laughs> you know, Y and Z are off the table now. Only X is going to happen. Uh, so make sure that that, that occurs. And then, uh, you know, then there's the players underneath that, which have, they have agency too. They can change what's happening, but it all has to filter through the, the org chart of this project Aurora. Yeah. And it's, it's not like uh, as simple. I mean, cause we are DMs. Everybody knows DM secrets and stuff like that. They are, um, to an extent, the all-seeing, powerful individual of the universe, they can kind of change, move, adjust sort of things uh, on the whim and on the fly. But it's um, it's definitely a case of like, how you say, even if something maybe immediately happens right this second, people are some, some are playing like all at the exact same time. Some people are playing like a couple of days beforehand or whatever. It, it, realistically, you can have the time like, hey, this happened in my session um, hey, let's get together. Like I might grab like Joe the DM or whatever. Hey, Joe, uh, let's sit down and let's uh, talk about what are we what are things that we can sort of do to show uh, the ramifications of what happened in my game. And it could mm-hmm. be as simple as like, oh, they just hear about it in a tavern, or oh no, literally an asteroid in the fallout <laughs> comes down, destroys the tavern. Ah, everybody goes crazy, right? It's really everybody always has that little bit of a leeway on how much of it they want to affect it because. We, we never really want a case where it's like, oh, someone destroyed half the universe and now, you know, a whole bunch of players are upset, right? You never <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> no. How- Unless it can spawn five more campaigns and try to fix it all again. <laughs> hey. <laughs> there we go. It's always oh, a story man. hook. So, oh, I okay. Now, I'm going to try to figure out what would be the the right next question. How do you... I guess, how do you find dungeon masters? Because this isn't just like willing to DM a table. Like you're like, there's a lot happening here. I don't think it's for like the faint of heart DM. Um, I think a, a big, actually, funny enough, I think a big misconception is uh, whenever people hear about Roar, they're intimidated by it. They're like, oh man, I don't want to, like I'm scared to DM because if I I feel like I'm gonna mess something up, right? That's exactly like, what is in my heart right now, <laughs> and that's understandable. <laughs> like it, it truly is, but like again, a, a lot of the time um, we always uh, when it, I'll go into like further like, like exactly how we find DMs, but a lot of the time it's more so we just say, hey, uh, how much of the world do you really want to affect? Like, do you want to be, some people want to just be restrained to like their own little city. Like, this is my island. I'm going to work my way out and eventually go to like the planetary stuff. But let me get adjusted and used to it. And they, they figure out that, oh, wait, this isn't that bad at all. It's like swimming. You just, just got to ease your way in, right? And, and it can uh, be a little yeah. bit easier too, because you have a team. It's not all on yeah. you, right? It's, it's, it's people can, yeah, that's you know, point. it's a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, you have to do almost a little bit less prep because you're like, all right, well. Of course, I'm going to prep and make things ready to go, but I'm going to be dependent on what other people are doing too in the world that's been built around it. So you can you can kind of lean on that. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you might be like, oh man, there's 25 DMs, but you're going to only be in a team of five. Hey, these these are your mm-hmm. five, your go-to or and such. These are like the people that you're going to be talking to and interacting with like on a daily or a weekly sort of basis. That's a lot more manageable than 24 other DMs, right? Totally. I mean, it's still a lot, but it's still a lot more manageable um, to sort of ease your way into. And again, oftentimes it's a lot better than people really imagine. Um, but I guess, how do we find uh, DMs? It is, uh, well, I guess that would probably be, I, I mainly just sort of, uh, I just, 
funny enough, I just asked people. Like, I literally just asked people. Like, <laughs> there, there's really I, I thought there away. was going to be like some secret sauce recipe. Like, oh, we meet. I wish it was. It's in really just the like, basement of. Good. I don't know. I lost. <laughs> well, <done>. actually, this, <laughs> the secret reason is why because I actually have to use the bat signal to form out in the sky, but only specifically on the 12th of midnight now. <laughs> yes, that's what I thought. More like I literally, that. I'm literally just some guy that, like, I make a bunch of uh, D&D content um, when it comes to, like, YouTube, Twitch, uh, and TikTok, and then literally, like, I'll just be like, hey, I run a epic living universe MMORPG. This is, like, me on TikTok. You want to join? And people are like, what? That sounds cool. Yeah, I'll join. I'm like, Okay, come on, let's play D anD. d It's like, <laughs> like a lot of the time, it really just comes down to like, hey, uh, you want you want to play D anD. I'm like, sure, and that's about as simple as it is. Um, and now I, I guess we we do pay uh, obviously the dungeon masters for their work because it is a lot of sort of work and that goes into it. It's not like you know just running your own um your own specific D anD. d game. A lot or hours are invested into it, but uh, I mean, other than that, it's just Really, people are not even there for money or anything like that. It's really, they're just invested into the idea of leaving their mark and being able to be a part of something, you know? Do the players yeah. uh, pay into it as well? Is that where the Yeah, so not, not not everybody. Um, Like, again, that, that was the whole point of, like, the Aurora. Like, you don't have to be a player at the table to sort of leave your mark. Like, for example, on Twitch, we have it where uh, mm. you can't pay, like, to do this, like, actual money to do this, but the more invested or the more involved you are, like the, the more channel points you get and at a certain, like uh, you can spend all those channel points to change the weather live or create a God at like some of the crazier sort of like super fans uh, that really get invested into it. But the point is that everybody can kind of leave their mark regardless. But uh, for players, uh, yeah, they do. Or some games uh, are pay to play. Other games aren't like there's, I think seven games that are going on right now that are free. And then, uh, the other like uh, twenty are pretty much uh, pay to play, I believe. And is that by the DM's discretion? Um, what would you mean by that? I mean, do they get to choose whether they want to charge folks. Oh, or... yeah, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, like, like you're not gonna be like, hey, uh, I want to run this for free, and like, no, you have to, you have to do this for money. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> well, I like that too. I think having having. Uh, games that you can join in without having to pay a monetary cost is the way you'll get people into the world, right? And so it kind of actually makes business sense to a certain extent if you wanted to keep this as a, as a I don't know, I don't, it's probably not like a profit-making machine, but it, it could be. Sure. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's for the love of it, which I really enjoy too. Like, I think it's like, it's like paying into a basketball league where you're like, all right, well, it's mostly just the, the admin and the refs that you're yeah, paying. And much. the t-shirt. Oh, don't forget the t-shirt. <laughs> do you make t-shirts? You project Aurora t-shirts? I'm in. I love t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, I do. Uh, I actually do. I don't have them uh, with me right now. I have like two Aurora tank tops or whatever. That my uh, he's a fantastic artist, uh, Finn. He made them uh, for me, and we're, we actually have a couple other individuals who want to make some t-shirts uh, and stuff. Just just because they're like Sensei, freaking! I got an awesome idea. Have you ever considered uh, oh merch? I'm like, not really, but. Sure. Hey, I want to do something for you. Okay, uh, sure. Go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's the ultimate yes and right there. Yeah. I guess, yeah. And then, like, I basically just get, obviously, like, I, I give them basically the money, like, for it. Um, and then I give them a percentage, like, for anything they get, you know, like, any, uh, any a percentage for anytime someone buys it, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the characters because, or the players. How do they get 
in on this? Sure. So um, there are multiple ways um, to get into, I guess, Project Aurora. I guess it really depends on how much of it you want to affect. I mean, hey, if you just want to literally just uh, maybe be on the sidelines and stuff like that and more so be a viewer because a lot of people, um, they don't necessarily, they want to like be a part of the community in the universe, but they don't want to have to, let's say, be uh, in a game or be on stream or whatever because they just don't have the time for it. So if you want to just like uh, at the very minimum, just see, get involved with everything, join the Discord. Um, We have plenty of people in there and they're all freaking awesome. I know everybody says that, but like, Really, like we we've had people um, that have how you say they've met their best friend basically through Aww. our Discord. They've literally met their like girlfriends and like wives and stuff through the Discord. I'm not even joking with that. Like it's a really like awesome and wholesome community, and I, I think that's a very uh, common thing throughout the D and D community. But um, regardless, um, when it comes to more so getting involved into a specific game. I mean, it just really comes down to we just have a little small Google form application. You kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, like uh, maybe how much D&D have you played before? Are you completely new? Have you played for 10 years? You know, stuff like that. And then just really getting to know the individual and then uh, going from there and like going through an application process. But it's really like as simple as that. You sign up if you're interested and then if you want to play, you can play. And if not, then cool. Uh, we got uh, like plenty of things for you to be able to interact with in the universe, you know? Uh, I like that. I like that it's open and then uh, you can also still make a mark uh, with the community that you're you're building around here. Like, and that's really cool to see. Um, what, what I want to know more about is the world itself. Yes. Like, what is, what's hmm. the hook? Like what you mentioned, these divine wars and, and all that stuff. <laughs> that sounds really fascinating. Yeah. Sure. Oh man, where do, where do I begin? There's oh, a gorgeous good. map that's <laughs> on your website. Um, which maps? one is it? It might be the. Uh, oh man, it might be the Leonios map. I don't know if it does it look like a continent or does it look like a bunch of planets. 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 Okay, that would be the universe map uh, and stuff. So, oh boy, where do we where do we begin? Um. Well, it all started in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I guess so. five years ago, uh, where did Aurora start? And this uh, plays into the lore. Um, basically, I got the idea to uh, get together with a bunch of my friends. And I was... Oh, boy. Th- this goes deep. I'll try to keep a long story short. But... No, it's okay. Go, no, go no, deep. It's before. Yeah. <laughs> we got to go into, like, why Sensei Suplex started DMing and everything, though. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. All right. All right. Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll rewind the clock a little yep. bit. So... Oh, boy. I love telling this story. (laughs) So it's 2018, I believe. Yeah, 2018 or so. And here's Sensei Suplex. He's still a big old nerd or whatever. He's into uh, video games. He's into anime, comics, you name it. And But there's one thing about him. He heard the game Dungeons and Dragons, and he's like, (laughs) no, I will never play that nerd game (laughs) ever in my life. I won't do it. You can't make me. (laughs) And stuff. And... Eventually, like, uh, again, I'm a younger guy. So, like, this is freshman year of college or whatever. And I'm like, hey, we're bored on a Thursday night because we have school uh, tomorrow. And it's like, hey, uh, Key, um, well, me and a bunch of friends, we're about to go play D&D or whatever. And I'm like, what? You guys are going to play that nerd game? Ridiculous. Impossible. I'll watch, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing better to do. It's like, sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so I go in there. We go to, like, the little lounge area. I don't even remember what it's called. But... Um, and they, they just start with character creation. That's all it took. Um, the DM, a uh, good friend of mine, Josh, he's like, yeah, so basically 
this D and D, uh, you can make it. You can make a character that, can, and you can kind of do anything that you want. So if you want to make a character, like you can be basically a, a awesome a Viking um, warrior of the sorts, or you can be a knight in shining armor, or you can basically be a ripoff of Link from Legend of Zelda. And mm-hmm. something in that in my brain just clicked. I'm like, wait, you can be anything or anyone. He's like, yeah, um, like here, here's all a bunch of the races and here's all the classes. And my, again, I played video games and stuff like that. So my like gamer brain just turned on like, wait, this is different. It's unique with all these sort of creative options. Like this is probably the creative outlet I've been looking for all my life. I'm not making this up. As soon as I heard that, like them just explain it, I was like slapping the table. All right, I want to... I, yeah. I, I want to play. I, I, like, it was literally just a switch right then and there. <laughs> and I, I, I was I was hooked. Four sessions later, I'm like fiending for some D&D. I was watching Critical Role at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, we, we used to play on Wednesday nights. I'm like, ah, is it Wednesday yet? Is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> ah! So I eventually end up uh, grabbing my friends. I'm like, hey, we, I want to play more D&D, man. <laughs> like, it, it's awful. Like, I'm like a freaking drug addict for some dice. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll run a DM. I'll, I'll, I'll be the DM. I'll figure it out. I, I don't know how. I'll figure it out. Um, And I grabbed some, like, coins because I didn't have miniatures. I just grabbed, like, some pennies and nickels. Like, all right, uh, Dylan, you're the nickel. Um, Eric, you're the, the quarter. And <laughs> I drew, like, this really, really cruddy sort of on like notebook paper map it was awful and uh i dm'd and i (laughs) tried my best failed miserably but i learned which is the big thing i uh if you want to know how i failed tldr is that um i didn't know what cr was and i threw a um an ogre at uh two level one individuals and before i knew these were a thing i threw legendary actions in without knowing they were a thing and I also Ooh. threw layer actions in without knowing they're a thing. And yeah, that ended very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons learned. Yeah, but I bet they had fun. They 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 did. They, they we joke about it all the time, like, oh my gosh, freaking key. Like, yeah, it, it would have been nice to be able to continue playing that character, but hey, Aww. you learned from it. it, it they, <laughs> they just sort of do that to tease me. It's nothing, they're not serious. But I love that. I love that. <laughs> But see, that's the type of trial and error, right? That's how you get to know how to do anything. Uh, and especially dungeon mastering. Now you know uh, ogres will beat up two level ones pretty easily. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And so fast forward, um, when I actually decided to give like DMing an actual try, like uh, run a full campaign, um, I wanted to run my world or run the campaign in a sort of spinoff of my DM's first campaign. We were playing Lost Minds of Fandelver. I know a classic, but... Um, he, he still homebrewed a little bit of it. And I was like, you know, I'm not super creative. I want to, you know, get a little bit of a jumping uh, launch point. So I asked, hey, Josh, could I run a sort of game in your setting? And he's like, dude, do whatever you want. I'm not playing in the game. Go crazy. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. I have your blessing. And then I end up running that giant sort of campaign. And I'm throwing sort of nods and sort of uh, Easter eggs to our original campaign and party. And it eventually got me thinking because uh, I had a, uh, um, I had uh, one of my original friends that jumped in and they actually played their old original character for my uh, new party. And mm. that was the moment when I was like, wait, this is just a, like a giant sort of world, kind of like the MCU in a way. What if this was kind of like bigger or grander or, you know, more involved? 
And why do I have to be the only one who's necessarily being a part of this? I got an idea. And I literally, I still have the PowerPoint presentation to this day. I made like- You made uh, a PowerPoint. Wow. Oh, wow. I made, like, I was serious about this. I went to like five of my DMs, like uh, some of my best friends and then uh, some other DMs and such. And I was like, hey, I want to do this idea. You in or out? And they're like, yeah, let's go. And <laughs> that was basically like the birth of Project Aurora. And we started like sort of designing a little bit more of the lore and I mean, it was since it was my idea, I had like the biggest sort of uh, saying we reworked the universe several times over, but that was basically how it got started. We just really wanted to sort of try something new and try something different. And though we, I always say this, a lot of people say, oh, well, since you didn't, that's just a living universe or that's just a Westmarchers. You didn't invent that idea. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know I didn't invent the idea, but it's just something cool me and my friends wanted to do. Hey, you yeah. want to play D&D? You can play with us. <laughs> that's it. Right. Right. Yeah. But you, it's like when I thought I made up the patty melt. <laughs> I was working as a short order cook and we were making grilled cheeses and we had hamburgers. And I was like, wait, what if we put these two together? I also gained like 20 pounds that summer. But wow. it was, uh, you know, and then it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, that's just a patty melt. That's on every menu, on every diner. You can have independently like aha moments yes. that get you excited about it. And if sure, maybe people did something similar before, but it doesn't you know, change the fact that you were like the organizing, you know, force behind getting these DMs on board. And and that's not, that's not an easy feat to do. I mean, PowerPoints are very hard to make. We know this as <laughs> uh, people, right? Uh, and especially like, when you're trying to convince someone to do something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. I mean, yeah, always, so good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I always say, even if someone's done it before, I mean, hey, you can just always look at it and just Make it well one. Make it yours and just iterate on it. Do it better. Yes. Yeah. What is the What is this world now that now that you were in that uh, yeah. that, that mode where you had your other DMs and your friends? Like, what was the lore that you kind of settled on? So I always uh, I always say that whenever we are like just in general like DMing or even when you're making a simple character, you put a part of yourself into said character, whether you realize it or not, right? And I want to actually like intentionally uh, put. Um, a little bit of myself into uh, the world and the universe. And for, I don't want to like make a little sob story or whatever, but to get a little bit deep uh, and such. Mm. So like, I was never, I, I know people, so a lot of the time they look at me like that when it comes to concentration, like, oh, that guy is super, super talkative and charismatic. Oh man, I wish I could be like them. But in actuality, I only really started talking and actually really getting friends in 2018, that same year I started playing D&D, funny enough. But like, I was <laughs> always like the super, super shy kid that really wanted to get friends or whatever, but just didn't, ah, social anxiety, ah, I can't, yeah. I don't want to, no. And stuff like that. And um, eventually I was like, hey, I got an idea. What if we, because I know a lot of people felt that sort of same way. They want to be able to have uh, a place where they can be able to, people that they can sort of relate to or connect with and also feel important to be important to, again, leave your mark on the world. That's why we always say it uh, and mm. such. So I was like, hey, uh, and this is kind of like how the, uh, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but the basic lore of how Aurora starts is that there is a single, no, I don't have a uh, mascot thingy, but uh, there is a single spirit uh, in the world. They're basically um, lonely and they're, but they have a lot of sort of creative energy, you know, they, they want to sort of do all these sort of great things. And eventually uh, what they end up doing is they just start to just say, you know what, now's the time to, now's the time for change. I'm going to do something. I'm going to try to, it doesn't matter if anybody's necessarily here or not. I'm going to, I'm going to start something. I'm going to try it and we're going to, if we mess it up, who cares, whatever. 
better than not doing at all. And they basically start crafting and going absolutely wild, creating these crazy sort of monstrosities and planets and planes and all these individuals. And eventually, um, as it gets bigger and bigger and wilder and crazier, more and more people start hearing about it, like more and more different spirits start hearing about it. And they're like, hey, that's cool. What? I want to, I want to see, I want to help. Can I add something? The spirit's like, yeah, come on, bro. It's a party. And basically they literally start building out and fleshing out this entire universe. So sure. It is one person's idea of making said thing, but it's not really their universe. It's everyone's universe. Same thing with me. It's not my, like Aurora isn't mine. It's everybody's. I can't, Aurora isn't the same if we don't have all the players sort of causing the chaos, causing all the divine wars. I didn't do that. They did it. It's their universe. It's our universe, you know? And that's kind of like how the lore of Aurora starts. And eventually they make a whole bunch of gods and eventually they make too much and like too many things. And they end up start duking it out because it's too many cooks in the kitchen. (laughs) And that didn't actually happen at Aurora, but like that, that just uh, ends up happening in the lore. And eventually, um, I don't want to get into like spoilers because I know uh, a bunch of my players are going to look into and like they're analyzing every single thing that I'm saying here on the podcast. uh, uh, (laughs) Don't want to give anything away. Yeah. (laughs) But that's basically how um, Aurora got started. And um, yeah, like, so there's these different planets uh, that are, connected by all the same kind of divine god like the gods can go between planets yeah so basically like the the gods specifically can go uh between planets and stuff like that and i guess uh, let's get a little bit more in the nitty uh, nitty gritty of the world so um i wanted to make sure that we didn't limit ourselves and like what we want to do like uh, even we wanted we knew we wanted to play in 5e because that's all we knew really at the time and we said okay well what if someone wants to run a steampunk uh setting well that doesn't really work in the universe but what if it did mm-hmm. okay there's a steampunk planet now. That's mm. uh, I'd love uh, that Zenobia. That, that, that's the planet. Um, and then like, but I want to play in cyberpunk. I freaking love cyberpunk. All right, cyberpunk planet. That's Andorra. And we basically made a planet for every setting. Um, that's typically normal in uh, fantasy. So we have a high fantasy setting. Uh, we have a Greek mythos and Norse mythos plan. We just kind of mixed Theros and we also added our own little Norse uh, sort of uh, culture as well and kind of mix mash the two. Um, and then we have a steampunk, cyberpunk, and a sci-fi planet that I'm actually getting ready to run a campaign for. Uh, it's going to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to be going all across the universe and stuff, seeing all the crazy sights. Nice. Yeah, That's I saw so I saw cool. your your, your uh, post about that. And you were like, mm, I want to make it just like, yeah. <laughs> inspired by seeing the movie, perhaps. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is how a lot of things uh, typically are. It, like, <laughs> I, I doubt anybody uh, knows, uh, it, but like Devil May Cry, I like, I love that game series and literally I just, I, I saw it, I played it and then immediately I'd made like several um, subclasses in D&D based off of Devil May Cry and stuff. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I see one thing and I just go, I, I'm like, I pigeonhole focus on it and it's great. <laughs> I love that, right? Uh, ADHD Unite. Uh, yep. <laughs> right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do can you, see that. Do you have a favorite word, world that you enjoy hmm the most or is it too hard to choose among all your babies so i probably hmm it's weird because it's a bias because uh, most people play a high fan or they expect with D they expect high fantasy so most people play on the high fantasy planet right which one is that again uh that would be uh tahiri tahiri okay it, it kind of looks like earth if you're looking at the yeah. uh universe yeah. map the yeah universe so map looks so cool 
<laughs> so I would probably say it's because I'm biased for sure. I, I I just freaking love cyberpunk, man. I, I really <laughs> do. It's just so cool. Like I've always loved it. So I think my I would my bias take would definitely be Zandora. Because it's like a mix of cyberpunk and post-apocalyptic, and they're mm. like all trapped in this giant dome in this dystopian future. It, it's just so cool. And like I, I think one thing, uh, for I guess all the world builders uh, out there. One thing that uh, I don't really see too often in settings is just the little things that can really make your world or setting different. And that mm. for me is just like, even just the small things like the lingo in cyberpunk, like they have their own sort of like uh, nicknames and catchphrases, like uh, or instead of calling it money, they call them eddies or instead of they call them, calling people your friends, they call them your tunes or tumbas or whatever and stuff. And it's just like those small little things. It's like, yeah, this is a lived in setting. This makes sense. Like it, this, this makes sense. I love it. it it's super cool. I love that too, because it makes it does, it feels alien, but also familiar if it mm -hmm. stays consistent the whole time. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I dig that. Well, I want to play in all those worlds now and see how they interact and go between each other. Like, do does that happen? You mentioned, you know, cameos and people joining other, like, so if someone from the cyberpunk universe comes to the Tahiri planet, they're going to be a fish out of water. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so... There's a whole thing about that. I'll, I'll keep it brief unless you want me to go super far in depth. I love no. in depth. Do it. They, well, they can't travel to different planets because some players screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's the perfect answer. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so you know how I said there's a steampunk planet? You remember yeah. that? Yeah, there isn't a steampunk planet anymore. I was looking uh, at that map. I'm like, which one is the steampunk planet? It's gone. So if you look at Zenobia, that post-apocalyptic <laughs> looking planet, that's the steampunk planet because they blew it up. <laughs> wow. So basically what happens is, and there's a whole sort of lore thing where basically uh, whenever you try to travel to a different universe and stuff, if the, it's gone, you, you travel via the world serpent, which is a god in my world. Um, and the world serpent was basically slain, killed, and dead. And when they tried to do it, well, they caused a giant rift into the world. Now, the rule is that you cause a rift into a random plane of existence. You never get to control what plane of existence that is. Never. We, really, we literally roll a dice to see what it is. And guess which plane of existence they rolled into? Well, they rolled three. And it was, well, excuse me, uh, it was two. And one of which was hell. The other, which was the shadow fell. <laughs> Oopsie. So you can imagine how that went. And that's basically how the steampunk planet turned into the uh, post-apocalyptic planet. So now it's taught to all spellcasters. Like, as soon as you learn to cast prestidigitation, hey, Jimmy, don't ever cast, like, a plane shift or you're going to cause the end of the universe. <gasps> don't do it. And, you know, obviously evil wizards try. And that's just a whole other plot line and maybe another campaign, right? Yeah. Wow. What? Until a quest is done to try to reverse that somehow exactly. and uh, <laughs> make that more safe going in between worlds. Well, that's actually uh, what's getting ready to happen. We were getting ready to, we we're on a hiatus for the campaign, but they're fine. Like the players have all finally figured out all the pieces. This has been something that we've been hinting towards for the past two or three, no, three years now of trying to find all the pieces of the world serpent, put them mm. together and be able to reforge the dead god and be able to allow travel between the different planets. And that was going to be, um, once we get to it, it's going to be a massive sort of raid boss event um, with people cameoing from literally five different campaigns all at once uh, to be able to help 
fix this whole sort of mess that happened like three years ago, you know? How do you run raids? Because uh, I know I know how it's done in MMOs where yeah, yeah. all the players in a, in, a, in a zone or in some cases a shard will be traveled to a zone in order to fight one big bad. If you need sometimes dozens, if not hundreds of players in order to take them down. How, how, how are you doing it in a, in a D&D sense? So it's multiple ways to do it. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's really people just want to feel as if they're able to involve or involve themselves and uh, be able to affect the big, grander sort of thing. So uh, like a smaller sort of, this would be more classified as a world event rather than a raid. But it could be a thing where like um, one group, uh, in order, they maybe can't make it to the big raid event, but they'll have their own little boss fight. And if they win said boss fight, then um, they'll be able to gain a little bit of power, send said power off to the big fight and aid it in that way. So that's them sort of leaving their mark and being able to assist. But for big sort of raids, I guess um, the mechanics for it, um, I've only ran about two myself, and I know uh, other Dungeon Masters ran about three other ones, but the way I've done it that seems to have worked is more so like, it's not perfect, but... It is basically like a group initiative system. So there are, so let's say we're running a raid of 15 players, right? There will be three groups of five. Are uh, you with me? And basically those, uh, for one group, they'll roll or they'll run through initiative like once or two or three times or whatever. And then they'll swap from group one to group two and then run through three, group two to group three, go from there. But uh, the big thing is you could probably imagine like, oh, well, you're probably going to be waiting there forever to get to your turn. Well, the thing is with raids, while they're a raid boss for a reason, they hit very hard and they do not hold back. So one or two hits and it is nearly your life. And we have this sort of mechanic where you can try to tag in people and tag out and just swap groups mid uh, sort of combat. It gets really intricate and complex, but it more so uh, focuses on the strategy of compositions and seeing like, hey, and like really working together with people you've never worked or worked with before. Because yeah. one group, you might have like two barbarians and then a wizard and you're trying to figure out, oh, well, I have this ability that works with this. Hey, let's jump together. Um, let's go in and let's try to uh, do this or complete the specific objective of the raid. And it could be just doing damage or um, whatever thing, maybe grabbing and holding on to a high valuable device or whatever it might, you know. But it's the really... The whole point of it is not really about the big numbers. It's more so the teamwork aspect in and out of the game when all the coordination of the players, like when people, when it's a raid boss, people are excited. They got their freaking bandanas on. They got the war paint on in their face <laughs> cans. They're ready to go to war. And like, that's the more fun part. I, I like personally for it rather than the actual mechanical rolling the dice and stuff. Obviously D&D is fun, but like I, I'm here for that. Like the getting to know people from, all around, right? Right. And it, it, you you're comparing it to the MCU a couple of times. This feels like the end of Endgame, where everybody is getting all together and using their specific abilities to do the further the goals of the entire group, which is take down mm -hmm. the big bad. Yeah, we, we had that scene. Uh, just the I'm not going to go too far into it. We actually had that scene. We recreated it uh, in our games, like the giant in-game portal scene where everybody and their mom is showing up. We did that, and it was just so freaking cool. We got. So uh, fun. We got some of my, uh, the very, very first group I ever DM'd for, and we got them, because they were like level 15 or whatever at the time, we got them to come back and like see off the new adventures for the giant raid. It, it was just awesome. So cool. Yeah, it's cool. Now you're playing mostly online, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've played in person before, and I love playing in person, uh, but obviously when COVID hit and stuff like that, then, you know, everybody was going online, but... Funny enough, uh, I actually was online anyways before that happened. So... 
maybe I'm ahead of the pack. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> or whatever. But it, it was mainly because I wanted to play uh, online with my friends. And like what I mentioned before, I didn't really have too many like friends IRL growing up. Um, but I had a bunch of friends online. So, hey, I wanted to teach them how to play D&D because I loved it. And that's how we got Aurora. So, yeah. So at any time before 2018, did sure. you think of yourself as one day being a professional dungeon master? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> not not even close. Uh, let alone you, playing D and D. I know but, it's it's a thing. Like it's hard to imagine, but yes, this being a professional dungeon master is a thing. But you also can help advise other people who maybe want to become professional dungeon masters as well. Like, what well, what would you tell those people? Oh man, um, it, it's a lot that goes into it. Um. Hmm. I actually ran, I was running like a little seminar because a bunch of people were like a bunch of my uh, friends and staff members, they were asking, hey, Sensei, I want to do like D&D full time or I want to do it professionally and stuff. What do you do? Um, and I think everybody, realizing uh, everybody's journey is going to be different. Uh, like even just how I started running D&D uh, professionally. I would say because everybody's journey is different, everybody's story is different. Everybody has different talents. Everybody has different abilities, things that they like, things that they dislike. And honestly, let that kind of be your, I hate using the word, but brand, you know, let that be what defines you and your sort of style and kind of run with it. For example, I wanted to, or like I mentioned before, I didn't have that many friends and stuff. So I wanted to make a platform where a bunch of people can connect and leave their mark. So that's why Aurora exists. And that's my sort of thing. When it comes to professional gaming, I say, Hey, if you want to play with me, Here's the things that you're going to get uh, when you join in. You're going to be able to leave your mark on this crazy universe and be able to affect something massive. And I use that story to inform that. And I would say basically just do the exact same thing. Figure out what your story is. Figure out what makes you unique. And there's there's definitely something because you're the only person who's lived your own experiences and just use that as a at least a basis or a start. Follow your bliss. Totally. In a certain way, right? Like, you know, do yeah. what you're good at. Write what you know. It's the, kind of that same kind of idea of like, you know, yeah. Do what makes you excited. And, you know, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like work when it's something that you love doing. A thousand percent. Like a lot of people, they always look like, oh my God, Sensei, you must be like, I, I can never do a D&D like, or as like a job or work. And that's understandable. Not everybody can. But for me, like me personally, specifically, it doesn't really, it's not really work because like, Seeing all the individuals, all the players sort of like be enthused and engaged and interested every single day from session to session and also being invested in engaged in D&D myself, like I'm here for I'm here for all of it. I'm here to have a great time. I'm here to meet people. I'm here to teach people the new game and just introduce them into the hobby. So if I'm able to like, I don't want to sound preachy or anything, but like I genuinely mean this, like if I can leave a positive impact or maybe do something that can possibly impact somebody else's life. Why would that ever feel like work to me? I, I, I just would never be able to understand it. So Aww. that's why just D&D never feels like work. Oh, yeah. That's Lift, amazing. You're lifting up uh, all the people around you. I, I love that. That's so I great. mean, hey, like literally, like, like I said before, people like I, it's really, really hard to fathom it. But if I wouldn't have started, like if my DM Josh wouldn't have eventually introduced me to D&D, well, then Aurora wouldn't exist. And it's, it's crazy to think about, but some people wouldn't have met their best friends in the Aurora Discord. Some people wouldn't have met their yeah. girlfriend, boyfriend, or even wives. And that's just like insane to me. But still, 
that might be someone else. It could just be the case of me running a simple one shot, them falling in love, and then, hey, who knows? Maybe they're the next, like, uh, next big D&D person or whatever. And <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Go for it. I'm happy. I'm just happy I could be a part of it or whatever. Or you could do find something that you love to do, you know? I well, I love whatever whatever world of the butterfly effect of you learning D and D and how exactly. it's changed so many people's lives for the better, <laughs> uh, including yours, right? Like I I I love that you're like well, you know you've been very honest about like not having a connection with people and that D and D provided that platform where you could create connections with people and it, go, it goes beyond D and D now, right? Like you have yeah, uh, uh, you know a lot of that, but that was the framework that was needed. Uh, in 2018. And I think that's so true for so many people. And there are still people I meet to this day who are just like, oh, D&D just means, you know, X, Y, Z. And you're like, no, you need to have friends. You need to have people together uh, in order to make this um, a possibility. And it teaches that. And I just love that you're able to kind of take that and run with it, <laughs> not just creatively, but professionally too. I, I think... Um... Though uh, running things uh, professionally, I guess uh, long term sort of thing, uh, though I have thought about it uh, in general. And though I like uh, running d and I love doing it for my job. I still want to do it, of course. Um, it's more so running so many games and stuff like that. Uh, I don't necessarily want to run like tens and tens of games or whatever. Or <laughs> yeah, or anything right. like that. That's oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that's got burnout so. written all over it but see that's why you're mm-hmm. you're delegating you're delegating to the other dms and like you're being like a creative producer executive producer in a way yeah uh, and i'm inspired i want to i'm i'm i joined your discord just now and of course this conversation and i'm going to join uh, a game and start playing because i'm so that's excited so cool. about what Wait, you're doing really? here yeah I was, totally I was i'm gonna, gonna do it. i'm gonna I sign gonna up literally, i was literally just gonna invite you like hey you want to be in it? You want to play some D&D? You know, see what thing. happens? <laughs> see, All he has to do is ask. And sometimes <laughs> not even that. <laughs> oh, man, that that's well, awesome. if you want to, I mean, you already mentioned the Discord, but if you want to point people to any other uh, avenues for getting on board, your socials, like how can people find out about everything that Sensei Suplex is doing? Sure. Uh, so I guess to quickly shameless plug and go through everything. So yeah, you can find me uh, pretty much on any social media platform, probably at uh, Sensei Suplex or at underscore Key Thompson. I think uh, for YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, uh, Twitter, it's all Sensei Suplex. And the main things that I do on those platforms is I'm all about just more so, well, besides like uh, showing or showcasing all the living universe stuff, I also really do try to help either dungeon masters or players go to level up their D&D game and kind of learn from the mistakes that I have made. And I made plenty. It all started with the TPK, you know, and <laughs> Ogres. I made the mistakes that you don't have to. And I'm just trying to basically like uh, share those experiences and hope that they can help anyone out in some way, shape or form. Right. Um and uh, besides that, uh, that's basically what I do. I might, uh, I might restart the workout warrior sort of thing. The TLDR was that it's a um, a little program that we did where we combine uh, nerds and we combine fitness, or specifically D and D nerds and fitness, nice. and we would basically make D and D themed workouts to like get as in shape as our D and D characters. You know, so if you got mm. a twenty two uh, strength barbarian, then hey. Time to get as strong or at least try to get as strong as you can towards them, right? And just, you know, do something that you love with a bunch of people that you love, right? Besides that, last thing, um, yeah, so join the Discord for Project Aurora. Um, you can, again, be a part of the living universe. We're looking for more players right now. Uh, and I'm probably going to be looking for more players for this Guardians of the Galaxy campaign. So, hey, uh, maybe you'll be a part of it. I got a couple of weeks uh, left to plan for this uh, sort of whole thing. 
who knows? Um, and if you're not, that's all good. We're going to have plenty of campaigns uh, soon anyways. So maybe I'll see you guys there. Maybe I'll see uh, you, Shelly and Greg. Maybe I'll see you yeah. guys then. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, I'm so excited. Thanks so much, Keith, for coming by and uh, being just an awesome person. Thank you. <laughs> Lifting yeah. people up. D and D. All right. Easy. <laughs> Thank you guys again. I mean it. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with him right now. I'm signing up. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna join this because I want to learn more about this world and the worlds within it. I I love that you're doing that. Yeah. Good. Good for you, Greg. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat myself. Do you think you would like to be a dungeon master in this kind of world? I mean, maybe. I think I want to start as a player. You just see Uh, what it's all about. Yeah, and uh, and get the vibe and and kind of see if I can maybe. I would love to be a dungeon master in it. That sounds fun. I've done I've done something similar, but on a much smaller scale with like two campaigns going at the same time. We've talked about that before, uh, and I loved it, and it did not. It was not as easy as I thought it would be. So doing it on this level with this many people, uh, that takes a lot of organizational clarity and that is amazing. So. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Key for making it happen. <sighs> it's good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, you can follow along everything that's happening with Dungeons and Dragons at D&D Beyond. They yeah. do amazing things and are writing lots of articles constantly. That's where you'll find all the updates for the 2024 rules update for Dungeons and Dragons that's happening. There's some Unearthed Arcana and surveys that you can go and download the PDF of that. Tell us what you think in survey form. And that is the best way to get out your opinions and thoughts about this next uh, rules update for for D&D. It's your game, after all. Similar to the way uh, Sensei Suplex was uh, talking about all of uh, it being the players. It is your game, uh, the D&D players out there. And so that's the best way to shape it and make it into the game that you want. Totally. Sweet. Follow along me. I'm at Greg Tito uh, on uh, Twitter and Blue Sky and all of the many other things out there. And then Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And check out my website, gregtito.com. I just posted an update on my blog. New blog post. New blog post happening. uh, And I'll be sending out a newsletter uh, in the next little bit too. So sign up for that newsletter too. Oh, I'm totally signing up for the newsletter. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. Well, I'm at Shelly Moo on Twitter, on Instagram. ShellyMazanoble.com is my website. No no new blog posts right now, but hopefully after Thursday, I can get back to something else. So you've been, are you chugging? Are you, have you along. announced what you're working no. on? No. Oh. I haven't. Do you, I mean, do you want to? I think I want to. to. No, I'm going to turn okay. it in first. And just in case she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the writer. Let's just wait uh, until mentality. Yeah, that yeah. like let's just see until um, it's finally out there. Yeah, but no, it's, good call. It is like it's it's a book. It's a first draft, and um, it's super drafty. Mm. But you know what? Draft in there. Lots of lots of um, areas of improvement. I really just like editors to feel like they're being useful. So I just leave a lot of, yeah, I leave a lot of areas for them to just like chime in and be like, rewrite this whole chapter. Like, I think that's, that's just me being helpful, really. Yeah. I think that's smart. I mean, that's what you should do. That's like, you're giving, you're lifting them up by allowing them to help you. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's a kindness that I offer to all editors, and they love me for it. It's true. They do. They love you. Yeah, they do. Well, uh, also, uh, people who love you are uh, your group of plucky adventurers in the wonderful city of Sagarpur, uh, and uh, you have been drinking with them, uh, sharing a bit of Miami's secret recipe um, and getting a little bit tipsy as there are uh, crowds and crowds of people around you. They are walking towards um, a uh, event uh, that's happening here. It seems like a very festive atmosphere and you and your cohorts are just as festive. Yes, we are. Uh, have we gotten that drink yet? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been toasting and 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 hurrahing it for everyone. Um, and the uh, bartender says, or the person who's running the stall that's giving out mammies, uh, says, uh, "Are you uh, are you going to go to the Shankar trials? Go ahead, uh, you know, take those drinks with you. You know, you can. It's an open carry city." Oh, I have found my people. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been taken down to the station because of an open container. <laughs> So What's dumb. it, station? Yeah, like a police station. Oh, yeah, we ban police here. What? Yeah, we just don't and, call them that. We have oh, guards. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think I was speaking from the future. Sometimes I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, wait, hold on. Did you just say you were from the future? I, I think you're cut off either that or you should start drinking a lot more. I think I'll take the latter. Woo! <laughs> and he tops you off uh, here on the house since you've been so nice. Oh, you're so nice. I give him a couple of my little cat treats as well. There's some fancy <laughs> what do I, uh What do I do with these again? Food of my people. And he, mm, okay, mm. Uh, I'll I'll share them with those who would enjoy them. Yeah. Speaking of those who would enjoy them, is there like a, an area where tabaxi like to hang out around here? Not in the city, no. We don't see your kind around here very often. In fact, it's very odd to see uh, so many of you all together. Is this a, a field trip? Sort of. It's a rescue mission. Ah, I, I, who are you rescuing? My brother, Daryl. Daryl Two Shoes. Yeah. Perhaps you've heard of him? No, I never heard of Daryl Two Shoes. Sorry. That's okay. You've been really delightful. Uh, I think I might have had too much to drink because I can't remember where I'm supposed to go. Oh, just follow along with the crowd. They're going to uh, see the Shanka trials. It's uh, quite a spectacle. There's dance. There's competition. You're going to love it. Okay. Well, onwards. Good to All meet right. you. I hope you find uh, Bobby Threeskin. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Daryl Two Shoes, but okay. Uh, and your cohorts kind of go with you. They are uh, smiling and laughing amongst themselves. Uh, and uh, only Samson is there kind of with his smug look. Uh, but he had a little, oh, he didn't, he tossed his drink over yeah, his shoulder, Yeah, you saw that he tossed he? it. Yeah, exactly. But he's he's got a watchful eye and uh, he's kind of taken up a um, protective stance. Oh, well, I guess one of us should. <laughs> All right. So you, you, you're walking Yes, with the following crowd. the crowd. Uh, yep. All right. So yeah, the crowd is going there, and again, yeah, you go in a little um, uh, staircase downwards, and you start to realize that it's not just the you know the dozens of people that have been passing around the stall. It's hundreds, thousands of people who are congregating uh, in a public square type area with a um, 
stage and amphitheater kind of natural amphitheater setup uh, here for you to be able to watch uh, something that there's nothing on the stage quite currently, but there are people who are getting into uh, the seats. And so you're all kind of following uh, in there and um, the uh, you hear a loud voice uh, coming from, you assume from the stage, but you hear the Shanka trials will begin momentarily. Take your seats. And everyone's kind of like, get the hubbub of that and kind of, you know, gets into their seats. Um, I, I'm going to pull Samson aside and say, I think we should sit close to the exit. Good idea. Thank you. Yeah. So he, uh, he kind of takes point based on that. Were you going to say something else? I mean, just so I could get to the bar easier. What did you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, totally. Um, so you sit, uh, he finds a place, uh, kind of in the first row, um, since you were in the initial part of people that were getting in there. Um, and yeah, near the exit, you're there, um, sitting down, uh, and, uh, there, there's some hubbub of like, oh, but you know, trying to, who wants to sit next to each other and, and all that. Oh, do they all want to uh, sit by me? Yeah. Blaze of Grass was like, I want to sit next to, to drug because <laughs> she's got the most Let, liquor, so, of course. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and uh, the voice says, uh, the Shaka trials are about to begin. <laughs> uh, and uh, you see, you hear some fanfare of uh, uh, loud uh, drums and uh, cacophony of sound that you're starting to realize, oh, this is, this is their music. Uh, it's uh, lots of uh, ringing of bells and, and uh, um, you hear like a thundering sound. And it's you realize uh, after a while it's there's a, a person near the stage who is shaking a big huge sheet of metal, uh, making oh. like a thundering sound uh, that is adding to the the fervor of this event. I I know that um, I I had to do that backstage at several plays in high school. Yeah, the thunder sheet. Yeah, mm. oh, that's amazing. Uh, do you, and you you say that out loud and. Um, uh, Altia's like, what is uh, what is high school? Oh, it's just a, a place that you're supposed to go and take classes and learn things if you're not too busy skipping school to go off and have cool adventures with your cat buddies. Are you talking about us? I mean, high school is a long time ago for me. <laughs> but I'm just like eight months or so ago. Well, I can't wait. I I can't wait. Sound house high school sounds great. Really? Seems like you had a lot of fun. Oh, I had fun because I didn't go to high school. <laughs> she's very confused, but she's like, okay, well, I'll take your word for it. Daryl went. Honestly, he should have just been called Daryl Goody Two Shoes because he just like followed all the rules and studied a lot. Whatever, Daryl. Wow. I, I never heard you speak ill of Daryl. You've always been trying to find him. Uh, this is This is new coming from you. I mean, I'm still absolutely trying to find him, but I mean, he's not perfect, okay? He th he thinks he is, but he's not. <laughs> and quite honestly, uh, I'm getting a little sick of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, I'm I'm still committed to trying to find him too, uh, but um, oh, we're gonna find I, him. I I understand what you mean. Siblings are are not perfect. No, I mean some of them are. He's not. So uh, the announcer comes on again, kind of breaks through your conversation and says, the first performer is a rarity here in Sagarpar. It is 
Randall Five Skins. And Whoa. you see a performer come out and he starts doing amazing amounts of tricks. You realize there's fur all over this performer. Uh, and I'm not even going to make you make a perception check because you recognize the fur color of Drunky Two Shoes. Randy Five Skin? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he goes by here is Randy Five Skins. Maybe. Scream. I don't know. That's what Drunky does. <laughs> she screams. Nice. Rah, like a cat yell. <laughs> and we'll pick up next time what happens uh, as he is doing his dance performance. Kidding. Mm-hmm. He left me to go be a dancer and go by the name of Randy Five Skins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. That's the sound of Drunky's paw. Just oh, she does that too. <laughs> our uh, sound dampening is so good. I can't tell all of your sound effects. Wow. All right. But I well, believe them, and we will be amplifying them for all of you all to hear. And we'll pick it up next time. I can't wait for next week. Can't wait for next right. week. Next Thank you. Week. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.